Welcome to the Danger Gnome Podcast. It's September 2019. Hey, we're starting the show with our newest Bike Black Ribbon test pilot and pending Senate confirmation, our new apparel editor, Senor Greg Gentle. Welcome to the Danger Gnome! Wow, thanks for that amazing intro. That was that was way impressive. Thank you. I know. Thanks for not mentioning that I pushed the wrong button at first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, it's complex technology where... Uh, you're up there in St. Croix, and I'm down here in Aztlan. I wonder if they'll be, like, inter- go ahead. Yeah, it's like one, one, point to, one point to the other on the other end of the state, isn't it? I know. And I, the, the funny thing is, is I, I want to come up there and ride because of the Fat Fish 40. Oh yeah, that's a that's an awesome, an awesome, awesome uh, race. I, I didn't catch it this year. But I did it the uh, the inaugural season on my single speed, and boy, it, it was not the good choice. It was uh, the classic knife at a gunfight <laughs> situation for me. I I was spinning out. I couldn't keep up. Uh, I you know I couldn't stay on a wheel just because there was not a lot of elevation change. And it took off. He uh, the the race director he jumped out on a ATV on this local state trail and i think we were going 30 miles an hour for the first 30 minutes oh man <laughs> why wow but yeah come up. our uh, our tester uh, jp he uh, he went up there and wrote a report about last year's race but uh-huh. uh hey you know we had uh we had tyler Ubanger on the uh dose of fat podcast just uh last last friday it published and uh he did the uh, Crusher 225, and he said he came in like 22nd or something. Did you meet Tyler when uh, you were at the Crusher? Wow. You know, he probably, we probably overlapped a little bit now that now that you mentioned it, because if, if he was 22nd, he was not far behind at all from me. And I think there was only about, you know, four or five minutes between the group that I came in with and who was short to follow. And we probably were at some of the rest stops at the same time. Just, uh, like I said, just kind of uh, leapfrogging throughout the day. Cause it was a long day. Yeah. I wondered if he was one of the uh, characters that you, that you had described in your story. <laughs> no, no, super he was Chicago not. Steve no, or. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it, it, Oddly, oddly, uh, you know, not everybody liked my sense of humor with my nicknaming, but, you know, oh well. Well, you know, I liked it. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm the editor of the site, so, you know, that's uh, that's one of the things that, <laughs> that uh, has elevated you to editor uh-huh. of our apparel. And uh, well, we've I'll been... Keep, I'll keep up the good work. We've been working together on a couple of things that uh, that are pretty interesting. You're just talking about you're uh, looking at your new uh, showers pass testing uh, apparel. So, yeah, and you're working on a Kitspo jacket review. Yep, yep, got that out this week. They sent me that early this summer, and it was one of those situations where I'm like, "Wow, I can't wait to." to wear this but it's going to be several months because it's 90 degrees outside and frankly i don't think i'm going to put this thing on until 
the temperatures dipped and finally uh, this weekend gave me a chance. It was a little rainy and a little cool and windy. I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what this thing is designed for. Let's get it out. Right on. So uh, I guess that leads us into uh, you're a new test pilot. How did you negotiate that? How did, how did you become one of our test pilots? I'm sure other people uh-huh. that want to know how, how this is done. Well, I, you know, I can't give away all the secrets of my <laughs> success because you know, that just wouldn't be right. No, I'm kidding. The, uh, I, I've got a mutual friend that, that did some, some other test work for you guys, Dustin Marsh. He lives in Eau Claire. He's about you know, an hour away from me. He and I have uh, done some races together. Every once in a while we get together to uh, just ride either out his way or, or towards the, my neck of the woods along the river valley. And he... He and I were just talking one day, and he's like, "Yeah, I got to finish up this article that I'm writing for FatBike.com for this uh, either a jacket or a backpack. I can't remember exactly what it was that he was reviewing for you guys." And I mm-hmm. said, "Really? How long have you been doing that?" He's like, "Oh, well, great. Just send him an email. Tell him tell him about yourself. Maybe he'll uh, jump jump help you jump on." So that's kind of the the route. Just had another friend that was doing some similar stuff for you guys, and reached out to you, and you said, "Well, sure, Greg, let's." what you got oh no way i was like no yeah, yeah. And then, and i, I, I gave i gave you a writing test <laughs> you did i was gonna say and now that i think about it you also said review our website I'm like yeah all right so that was the it, it was more than just a, a nod i had to actually prove my metal and, and it, it's it's kind of a good test because you have to find a way to uh diplomatically point out things that need improvement. And that's part of the whole review process because, you know, you have to be diplomatic when you review things, what you like, what can be improved. And you did a nice job of that. Uh, You you pointed out, you know, the the dichotomy in the whole (laughs) magazine business model that, oh, you're reviewing stuff that people buy ads from you. So are you beholden? Are those, are those opinions real? So, uh, you know, I, I think our side has very real, very real stuff. Man, people get mad at oh, yeah. us all the time. Well, now, so we must be doing I'm, something right. Yeah, well, you know, now that I've been, you know, shackled to the machine, you, you'll, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to, you know, truly attest to that point. And, you know, to the to the compliment you offered it with my my balanced review, so to speak. It, I, I'm fortunate to have had like some actual professional training around coaching, so that's. Uh, it helps to be able to have, you know, a lens that gives you a chance to, to balance, you know, the positive and the negative in a way that's not going to, you know, berate, belittle, or shame individuals when you're really interested in helping them improve and elevate their game. Right on. Yeah, exactly. Well yeah. said, old boy. So, you know, if you, uh, you want to be a Bike Black Ribbon test pilot, all you have to do is, uh, you know, be a wordsmith, a pixel cowboy, and do semi-awesome things with your bike, with any yeah. bike. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I've, I've got a long history of it. it yeah. Comes, it comes and, natural. Uh, check out Greg's articles. He's an ace. This guy is a star. So, uh, I, and, you know, you're our special guest on the show today. So... I guess my first probing question 
uh, other than eventually needing a sample of your brain tissue. Uh, I want you to tell our listeners about uh, your bike life from childhood to current day. <laughs> yeah. But, boy, how much time do we have? <laughs> well, well, the new the new format that we have, it's uh, time isn't even real, man, <laughs> Sweet. is the real answer. But <laughs> well, I, I, I had a... I've got a deep and long love for all things two wheels and, you know, back to teaching. I, I, I think that the training wheels came off either voluntarily or involuntarily when I was like four years old, I lived in Indiana at the time and I was gone. I was like all throughout the neighborhoods and getting in trouble for, you know, not being in sight. But, you know, back in the seventies, you could do that. Um, moved to, the beautiful town, uh, Lake Country of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, at 72, and continued my two-wheel marauding around that neck of the wood. About sixth, seventh grade, the mongoose arrived, the mongoose super goose. Nice. And that was my first, like, pro-level bike. So... I convinced my dad that racing BMX was the most important thing in the universe to me. And I got a chance to do that for a couple of seasons at the ranch in Menominee Falls. I don't know if there's any of our listeners that have been around long enough to remember that track, but that's really what set the fire for me, both for really loving getting on a bike and tearing it up and kind of fueling what I already had burning inside of me is kind of a competitive edge and boy i tell you those days racing at the track in menominee falls were some of my fondest memories as a kid one year they had the the bob harrow trick team came out and just showed kids how to get super rad in the air on their bikes and my mind was just blown i'm like this is it you know cool all all in (laughs) i am all in on this so get through high school Continued to just, I got a Trek road bike following my, uh, my harrowing head on collision with the, a Chevy citation in downtown Oconomowoc when I was in ninth grade. Well, and, sir, uh, Chevy citation. I, I, oh yeah. One Chevy of the ugliest citation. cars ever made. <laughs> and, and here's, and here's what makes it so insidious. You can't see them when you're drafting behind a pickup truck with a topper and looking through the side windows. Yeah, I'm telling you, they're, they're completely off your radar. Oh, so man. When you're, when, you're, when you're flying downtown and you take a left turn and you don't see it, you don't do too well. That's a, that's a, that's that, a flashback for, for sure, the Chevy Citation. Oh, yeah, and I, this, was, this was like I saved two summers' worth of my hard earning of picking rocks at the Marks Farm in Oconomowoc to get my first kick-ass road bike. It was a Marushi Road Ace. Mm-hmm. And that, that thing was gone after that. So, a sad day. No more road bike for me after that. So, you know, then you get into college and you kind of drop off a little bit and you don't have money for cool, shiny things anymore. And you get up college and you're like wow i've got a liberal arts degree what the hell am i going to do now and i had a very very close friend 
who is somewhat infamous regionally. His name is Hollywood Henderson. He's had a bike shop in Minneapolis for a number of years, and now he's working at one-on-one bike studio. And he looked at me and said, well, why don't you come work at the shop with me? I'm like, I don't know anything about working in a bike shop. He's like, don't worry about it. So got back into biking through that and had some other friends that were racing uh, mountain bikes at the time. This was in 96, maybe, mm-hmm. 1996, and got my first pool mountain bike. Actually, rewind. It was my second pool mountain bike. My first one was a Bridgestone MB2, and that got stolen oh, when I was dear. in college. That's a sweet so bike. Just, yeah, that was awesome. That was like, you know, my – getting back into cycling, I was like, wow, I want to get one of these and, you know, save my money again and, and got a really cool, rigid, full Sun Tour XD right. <laughs> KG tubing chromoly steel mountain bike that I thought was the knees, the, the bee's knees, as they say, and it was a sweet whip. So that got, uh, that got commandeered by somebody in St. Paul, and I was bikeless for a while until I got back to the bike shop, and I got a stump jumper. Oh, nice. The shop I worked for was a, was a specialized shop, and that was, a, that was it. Um, kind of took off, started just, you know, I wasn't great. I wasn't a great mountain bike racer, but I had some BMX skills, so... It didn't take me long to, to, to get those things figured out. And I never was a, you know, super elite podium chaser racer guy, but I did pretty good and just have done it for ever since. You know, I, I don't do as many races as I used to, but I still drop in and, and rip a couple laps with some of the, the big boys when I can. <laughs> Very cool. There's there's a lot of parallels here. I'm, I'm also had a childhood uh I was born in Indiana as well, um, and I also my first mountain bike, age twenty seven, was specialized stump jumper. Or I'm sorry, rock hopper, uh, a bright red one in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, had deer head Shimano stuff on it, non SIS, um, mm-hmm. big McGraw motorcycle brake levers. Yeah, which I wish exactly. I had today. <laughs> but I don't know what I would make. I would like would make a wind chime out of them because they probably weighed on. Ah, so that is you know, that is that is pretty cool, man. I you know, I I hope our listeners like learn like learning about that because it it gives a point of reference of the where you come from in your in your review process too. It, fills fills it out for me anyway yeah you know I've, I've i've been fortunate to have a lot of friends in the industry over the years that have been very generous with me and sharing products and giving me a chance to try stuff that's new or just you know here take this out and beat on it for a while and let us know what you think and you know it's never been in a like a formal fashion until connecting with fatbike.com to do the the reviews for products for you guys and that's uh, kind of a fun evolution as I get older in life and just want to find things that are kind of fun to do. And this is going to be one of them. Right on. So Hollywood, how did you meet Hollywood? I, I think that we're all in the same circle of friends. All my friends know Hollywood. I've, sure, I've met him years ago. He's a, he's a, he's an old, old friend. He, um, Jay, 
and my wife, Jody, were MCAD classmates at the Minneapolis College of Art and Design in the 90s. So I knew him as he was moving up here from Iowa. and He was a, he was a triathlon racer at the time and wanted to get into road racing. And he totally ramped it up to be the amazing racer that he is today. So he and I go back to the early like 91 or 92. And True he that. was the one who yeah. kind of said, hey, dude, get, get back in the bike game. So I, I owe a lot of it to him. Franklin, and still do. I love his van, man. I want a van like that. Oh yeah. Just the as Rambling a side Jesus. note, <laughs> that seems to be my uh, my major uh, contribution to most of the podcast now is just uh, non sequitur, stream of conscious things like that. <laughs> nice. But uh, we do have several new podcasts here on Fat Bike Radio. Do you listen to uh, to any of the new podcasts? There's the you know I I I haven't yet, but I my uh, my day job puts me behind the wheel, unfortunately, for extended periods of time back and forth to my job, and I'll uh, I'll get a chance to start streaming those. Yeah, let me just interject, sort of a little. Uh, I, I'll let me go over what those new podcasts are. We have the Full Spectrum Cycling Podcast. That's every week, so every Wednesday. You can call in 717-727-2453 and you can talk to some dudes down there in Milwaukee that love biking and uh, you can pimp your event or just talk about whatever. It's it's not fed bike specific either. Uh, mm-hmm. And we have a new show, the Burning Bike Podcast that is Spinner Ryerson's uh, conversation around the campfire uh, that one you can't call into but you could write into uh, you can uh, find that information on the show notes for the burning bike podcast this podcast is you know that's it's uncle gomez's show it's the danger gnome podcast where we do interviews of uh, both our bike black ribbon folks and industry people In November, I'll be interviewing the product manager and the marketing manager of Salsa Bicycles, Salsa Cycles, about about all kinds of stuff (laughs) that we can't talk about now. (laughs) I really don't even know, but they they tell me they'll have stuff to talk to. (laughs) And who and oh and our longest running show the Dose of Fat podcast which is a trio that's Spinner Ryerson, Leia Rollins who is you know an elite level uh, mountain and fat bike racer and myself that's we're recording show one forty nine this month and it'll be Patty Glines Kotecki uh, subbing in for Leia because Leia is. Uh, uh, she's deep in her training cave, pain yeah. cave for uh, Margie and going doing epic that we talked to her on our last show. And then we'll uh, hopefully have a, you know, some sort of celebration for the 150th show. We had a big shindig for the hundredth show on that one with live bands and whatnot, but we got to figure that stuff out. 
you mentioned you mentioned the margin and that's that's one of the most you know for, for those of you who really want to find yourself in new and different ways <laughs> <laughs> go do the margie guessing it is both the hardest most exciting bike event i've ever been involved with i'm going to miss it this year sadly because of a, a, a family trip to tahoe to, to do a little family reunion out there so we're going to miss it this year but throw all my friends in the in the UP and in the region that are going to go do it. I'm excited for you. So get ready. You got to go ride the flume trail when you're in Tahoe, man. Okay. The flume F L U M E. Uh, as long as you're not afraid of heights because tons of exposure. Um, but you're a couple of thousand feet up in this perfectly beautiful gray granite chiseled out along the edge where it's just unbelievable views of Lake Tahoe. So what, what region of the lake is it? We'll be in Tahoe city. Do you know where that is? Uh, is, well, there's South Lake Tahoe, like the California, that's where the heavenly is. And there's North Lake Tahoe. It's, it's, up so if if North Lake Tahoe is twelve o'clock, it's like at four o'clock. Okay. Put you in the Nevada side. Yeah, I think so. Oh. So it's like a seven mile double track climb, and then you ride along a lake that's not Lake Tahoe. It's a inland mm-hmm. lake, and you ride between these two forty foot tall egg shell egg shaped. Uh, granite boulders and then you're 2,000 feet above Lake Tahoe on a 6 to 18 inch single track that uh, winds its way for I don't remember how many miles but (laughs) many glorious miles it's one of those trails where you just want to you want to gawk and look out there but you really have to pay attention so that's the only thing that I would say is stop Take pictures and Enjoy then, it. <laughs> and then yep. ride with caution. That's that's the dad side of me coming out. Sorry. No, I understand. <laughs> safety first. Safety first. Well, I always say safety third. You know, fun probably would rank up there in the top two. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably humor again. So. You live in the, uh, what do you call the region of Wisconsin that you live in? I want to call it the St. Croix River Valley. That's, that's pretty much how I, uh, I describe it. You know, I, I tell people where I live and they give me this kind of blank stare. And then I say, well, it's the St. Croix River Valley. And they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, beautiful. Love it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, we're, I, I live in between the town of Osceola and the town of Somerset. Nice. So we're. We're, we're kind of uh, equidistant between those two small towns in the, on the river, in the river valley. And yeah, we, we lived in, uh, I, I grew up on the other end of the state down by you, moved right. to the Twin Cities in the 80s and spent 25 years living in the city and bugged out in 2007 and have not regretted the main change at all. So it's, it's a, a gorgeous, quiet, uh, amazing place to ride. There's 
the Woolly Mountain Bike Trails, the St. Croix Falls. I can get down to the River Falls Trails, uh, Whitetail down in River Falls. We're about 45 minutes from the metro, so it's not terribly long to, to get into any of the trail systems up there. The gravel riding out here is pretty good, and the road riding is superb. You know, I, I feel like I just landed in the perfect place to do what I love to do, ride the bike. Nice. So yeah. when you became a bike back urban test pilot, were you aware that you were joining a bike gang? Um, well, having been, you know, members of several gangs over the years that were of the two wheel nature, it, it, it didn't concern me as much as just wanted to know like what rites of passage and or initiation I might have to endure. <laughs> Nice, nice. It's uh, it's 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 nice to have a veteran of uh, silly bike gang uh, hijinks on board. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, growing up, you know, my you know, living my my young adult life in Minneapolis and St. Paul was a, an amazing number of years because of the the, the bike culture there. But the K is so awesome, you know the the Minneapolis mafia crew and all the single speed dudes that just love to have a good time and really cut it loose on the bike. And they're just awesome folks to, to party yeah. and play with. So homie I, fall I, I, fest, I, miss, man. I miss having that. I miss having that like accessibility to, to the, to the groups and the fun folks that I used to ride and race with in, in the city. But every once in a while I can coax them out to, to enjoy the countryside, so that happens too. Nice. We have a we have a Minneapolis mafia uh, OG in Milwaukee, Chris Zito. Uh, oh yeah, he runs oh, events yeah. now Zito. and again. So mm-hmm. he uh, he brings some of that flavor to Milwaukee. But I, I've been to a couple of Homie Fall Fests and uh, experienced a bit of that. And yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, I started as a young man riding a single speed bike, but single speeding kind of introduced me to that culture. And you know, it was like oh, I found my people—people people oh, that yeah. like to have fun and get crazy. And yeah, so yeah, take a take the take the you know just strip down the the seriousness and let that go because that's not part of what that's about. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the story on. Carzer Coffins about the first single speed worlds in Minneapolis. Yeah. Inspired me to go out and buy a cheap paperboy bike, a curvy mountain bike from Nash Bar, bought a frame and fork and built it up as a single speed and rode the piss out of that thing till I put like three or four cracks in it. And then, yeah, it's just been, you know, a roller coaster of fun bikes since then. How many titanium bikes? Can one man build and break, and break, <laughs> break some of them? Still have a couple, but uh, yeah. So, what's uh, do, do you have a fat bike right now? Oh yeah, absolutely. The, what uh, are you riding today? My 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 first was a bear grease, mm-hmm. and loved riding that. Um, wanted to get something a little lighter, so I I friendly with uh, J.P. Lemire, mm-hmm. and J.P. got me a, a frame and fork from some of the early iterations of the Lemire fat bikes, and that's still in my stable, so I 
been riding that for six years now. JP was a was a guest on our hundredth show extravaganza. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I run into him every once in a while, and he's always like, "What are you riding? One of the? What are you riding? Oh, you should ride this." You should. He's always he's always trying to get me to ride one of his bikes. Well, that's his job. I know <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it is kind of true. I'm always like, but I have this one. Anyway. Yeah, so the the fat bike for me is, uh, I don't see a lot of it in the off winter season. Because mm-hmm. I've got a, a corral of other bikes that I like to ride. And, you and uh, me both, it, brother. Yeah. I get I get to, uh, I, one, I, I should say this, though. It, it's not that I don't ride it as much in the summertime as much as, it's a very, it's, it's got a very specific purpose. Right. In the like, off winter like, season. Like, and that is beach riding running, and... running my dog oh I yeah use it to, uh, i use it to uh to give my dogs a run so we've got access to uh, a big chunk of land where we live so i grab the the two hounds and cut them loose with me on the tap bike perfect for grassy riding which is great for running the dogs it's a it's a yeah, better pace exactly. for the dogs rather than you know Rather than running full out at 16 miles an hour, they can lope along at 10 miles an yep. hour. And yeah, they they love it. They absolutely love it. You know, I use I use my fat bike for specific things in the summertime too. You know, like visiting swamp areas or riding grassy <laughs> double track or uh, riding the beach. You know, there's there are some places around where I live, like there's a place called the Jefferson Swamp, and uh, yep. they have grassy double track that I can go back, and it's like visiting a it's like visiting a zoo. Man, the the wildlife is incredible there. Uh, yeah, every large species of of bird uh, in one spring ride, I was like, oh my god, I like saw fifteen species of of large bird pelicans. I saw on their migratory route. North of uh, North of Saint Croix Falls, there's a region called the Barrens. It's a it's a natural a natural area between Grantsburg and Saint Croix Falls that you can you can disappear back in there for miles and miles and miles of double track ATV trail, horse trail. The Governor Knoll State Forest is uh, encompassing that mm. and. The Wooly Bike Club, which I'm a affiliate of up here, we host our Global Fat Bike Day. Oh, cool! Event out of the Wolf Creek Tavern, and like last year, I think we had about 70, 60 or seventy riders. It was a, an awesome turnout. And one year, you know, it's, it's a little early in the season for snow, so those are mostly ridden on the sandy and it's a lot of sand so it's it's awesome to have that four or five hour uh, five inch tire to, to drift through that stuff without getting too sucked in and <laughs> pulled sideways right that's what when, at the beginning of the show we talked about fat fish 40 is that near webster or no that's um well webster is Further north in St. Croix Falls, but kind of opposite—not uh, opposite, but east of of Grantsburg. So it's not—it's not far, mm-hmm. but 
it doesn't cover the same terrain. This is right along the St. Croix River. Ah, okay. In Western, uh, further inland, if you will. Can you paddle the St. Croix? Is that a is that a river that can be negotiated in a kayak or? Oh my God! Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's it's a national scenic riverway, so it's it's really one of the cleanest river bodies of water in the country. It's gorgeous. Nice. And you can you can put in up near Cameron for uh, winter. Not winter. Excuse me. Uh, I can't think of the name of the the town that has the the, the falls up on the upper region, but we, we would put in in Danbury mm-hmm. and Danbury is on the same state trail that Webster it's Webster's just South of there a bit. Gotcha. So the, uh, the Gandhi dancer trail. Oh, right on. So maybe an opportunity to do some pack rafting there. Hmm. Oh yeah. You could absolutely do that. You could, you could ride all through the barrens. You can ride up through the barrens and, put in and then paddle back down. That'd oh, all right. Well, trip. we got to talk about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right on. So, uh, my last question. So if you had your choice of any new fat bike to test, which one would you want to test? Oh my goodness. Well, I've been very, very intrigued by the bear claw stuff. Ah. Uh? Have you seen those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually am scheduled to receive a Bo Jackson next week to yeah. uh, race the Hibernator 100. I'm going to do a 100K gravel race on that bike and do a review. Uh, yeah, I've, I, I've, been, I've been eyeballing that Bo Jackson because of the uh, exposure that Todd Paquette of Margie Gessick and Crusher fame and the 906 Adventure Team he uh, he's been riding one of those for the past month or so, and there was a lot of talk about that as the like the secret weapon for the Crusher gravel race. And I didn't actually see anybody on one, but just looking at the profile of the bike itself, that kind of exposed me to the company. And then I did a little deeper dive, and was like, oh, well, that's yeah. a pretty sweet looking carbon fat bike they've got too. Oh yeah. Hmm. And the, the it's what's the name of the of the carbon fat bike? It escapes me. It starts with a B. I know they have Frank, a titanium one, and we're we're in talking about reviewing that bike as well, the Frank titanium fat bike. But I think that you would be more in line with that low racy. Uh, oh, well, we'll have to. It's not the Beowulf. It's uh, the Balthazar. That's it. Yep. Yeah, and Balthazar, the carbon. That's their carbon fat bike. With a really low stack height and no uh, suspension correction. So nice, low slung, I would say, legacy fat bike or legacy mountain bike kind of geometry. Racy. Yeah. I bet it's fast as hell. I'd love to ride that thing. Jason from Bear Claw is is putting together some really interesting bikes that, that, yeah, I... Both of us can kind of get behind that. Well, cool. Uh, we'll try and uh, we'll try and it's, make it's your dreams come true here at Fat Bike Tech. Um, that's what we're in. We're in the Fat Bike Dream business. <laughs> oh, that boy! If anybody's <laughs> up to the task, Gomez, I know it's you. Bringing the dreams alive. I know. 
The silver-tongued devil that I am. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and uh, yeah. share with the, our readers and our listeners uh, your bicycle fetish lifestyle. Uh, any any parting words for the, for the kids at home? Um, I would just uh, want to extend the invitation for your listeners that uh, want to come up and ride the woolly trails. We've got an awesome, do an awesome job of grooming those for the winter rides and the global fat bike day uh, event that we throw out of the Wolf Creek Cavern as a hoot. So right on. check it out, ride this side of the state. There's some cool shit to explore and ride and love to see you guys come up and do it. Killer. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to try and create some sort of bike bike ribbon field trip too. I don't know if I uh-huh. can guarantee uh, global fat bike day for me because no, I'm sure you guys you've got stuff going on that day. But uh, that there's other opportunities, right? We've just uh, oh yeah, for sure. But uh, we we just uh, got the agreement from the uh, Corp folks, the Capital Off Road folks that take care of the trails in our region. Uh, to host the Global Fat Bike Day celebration at Camrock County Park in Cambridge, nice. uh, so we'll have a we'll have a picnic shelter and we'll probably mm-hmm. have finger sandwiches and uh, I don't know chocolate mousse. What's the mm-hmm. oh baked Alaska? What is it, the flaming uh, Alaska dessert? Yeah, we'll have all that. Uh, sweet baby gnome on the cob. Uh, Trail rides, goat uh, petting zoo with goats. <laughs> explosions? Will there be any explosions? I actually said uh, hovercraft death races and <laughs> human <laughs> sacrifice in my email to the uh, to the corp vice president, and uh, and he gave it the thumbs up. He was like, "Oh yeah, no permit required for human sacrifice." <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, right on. Well, uh, go ride your bike or something. Uh, yeah, I'm good. All right, dude. This is uh, weather turn. We got this shit coming in today. It's going to be nasty. Yeah. Uh, JP and I are going to go ride from Milston to Levis tomorrow morning mm. and go through that whole elk release research area on gravel roads that are uh, uh, Probably in some spots have six foot tall grass growing in them. Uh, Good. I just did some recon and it looks fabulous. It'll be eighty wow, degrees tomorrow, so yeah, uh, enjoy that, man. I'll have to bring my bikini top, my 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 two piece bathing suit. Yeah. All right, boss. With that uh, visual, I will leave you to the rest of your day. Party on, Wayne. Likewise. Likewise. Take care. See ya. Hey, we're back, and Jim Kirsten, the show director of CABDA, is going to give us a call in a sec. Please let me introduce and welcome to the show Jim Kirsten. He's the show director of CABDA, which is an up-and-coming and and a long-time-running bicycle trade show. Welcome to the show, Jim. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. So tell the folks, uh, what what does CABDA stand for, and uh, like, how did the show start? Originally, it stood for Chicago Area Bicycle Dealers Association. Um, that kind of definition has gone by the wayside as we expanded out of Chicago. Um, 
but the name still had some purchase, so we uh, we kept it around. Right on. Most of my most of my clothes and my car already had the logo on it, so we couldn't change. <laughs> and uh, you're you're in the eight four seven. I'm from the eight four seven. So you're in Chicago, right? Somewhere in the suburbs. I'm on the the very northwest corner of Chicago. Very cool. I grew up in Des Plaines, dude. All right. So I'm so. in uh, I'm in Jefferson Park area. All right. On. Uh, very cool. So uh, when did Cabda start? How long has the show been running? Um, so there was an original show that started in the late 70s, um, and that ran until about the year 2000 when it fizzled out. Okay. And then we brought the show back uh, under the kind of current guidance uh, six years ago. Okay. I, I went to some of those old shows in the old Pheasant Run um, back in the... I guess it would have been the late 80s to the early 90s when I worked at ABC Cyclery in Arlington yeah. Heights. My uh, my first job out of the, my, my folks owned a, a bicycle store. That's how I kind of got aware of this organization and history. But my first job outside of the shop when I was about 13 was stuffing badges at one of those shows. Oh, cool. So, yeah. And at that time, only bicycle dealers. It was a show just for dealers, like most bicycle trade shows are. But when you reincarnated it here, or, or not reincarnated, but the rebirth of it, uh, it's open to consumers as well, correct? Uh, not correct. No, so no. We're still, we're, we're still B2B only. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I thought there was a there used to be just like one day or something that you allowed maybe them. We, we toyed around with it, and we're still looking at options. One of the problems we have is as soon as we flip a switch and say we're going to we're going to badge consumers. We're going to we're going to have a you know end user participation. It needs to be successful. We need to turn out a bunch of numbers. Otherwise, it'll be viewed as a failure. And working against us is the fact that our events are held in the middle of the week, right? Um, to, to encourage dealer participation. So if you can get to you know lock your door and go to a bike show for two days, you want that to be in the middle of the winter, in the middle of the week, so you're not losing any business. And uh, if we were to flip the switch and we wanted, you know, consumer participation, we'd have to hold it on a weekend. Sure. Um, so all the all the levers we tried playing with didn't work out. So what we're working on moving forward is hosting a series of um, demo events where we actually get the companies to show up with their demo fleets and let people ride them. And uh, I think that has more potential to be successful on the consumer end than just staring at stuff in a, in a booth or in a glass case someplace. Oh, yeah. Outer bike success. You know, you can point to that. Same, uh, same type idea, yeah. Sure. Um, when did you take over as show director? Um, so I was a show director. For my sins, I got that job. Um, <laughs> when, uh, when we restarted the organization back in 2015. Nice. And is it still, uh, is CABDA still directed primarily at independent bicycle dealers, and maybe you can share with our listeners what an independent bicycle dealer is. Um, it's directed at all bicycle dealers. So mm-hmm. we have a lot of the, uh, the corporate-owned folks as well come to us for training um, to see new lines, stuff like that. But an independent bicycle dealer is something that um, it's getting, getting more and more rare. Um, they used to proliferate the industry, but uh, now they're, they're getting to be relics. But it's still still probably the majority of stores. Um, but it's independently owned, operated. They make their own buying decisions. 
they decide what they're going to spec in their stores, um, what type of brands they're going to sell, what models of those brands, um, as opposed to um, a lot of the corporate-owned stores that get those decisions dictated to them. You're going to stock 70% of this line. Uh, you're going to carry these five models in these colors. Um, so it's, it's kind of what's transforming in the industry now is how they handle that retail component. So all the cool shops. <laughs> one, would, one would think, yeah. Are, are independent bicycle dealers. If you want to go buy a Santa Cruz somewhere or a Fatback, it's probably going to be from an independent bike dealer. A lot of the brands like those um, don't require a percentage of your floor space in order to do business with them. Right. Um, some of the larger brands say, if you want to carry this, you better carry 90% of, um, of, your, of your square footage. It has to be dedicated to our product. Amen. Yeah, there's, I hear that a lot from, from bike shop owners. So you have expanded to now three shows. And uh, why don't you share the dates and locations of the three shows? Um, so mid-January, we have our, our first show of 2020. It's in San Diego. It's what we call Cab to West. Um, that's the, uh, it should be burned into my brain. I think it's the 15th or 16th of January. Okay. Um, after that one, we move, um, everything moves, you know, further west. We do our, our Chicago show, Cab to Midwest, which is the 12th and 13th of February. Nice. Um, we'll... we run, we run here now. This will be our sixth show. And that's, uh, that, that's a new venue in Schaumburg that is, I've been to it. It's <laughs> excellent. It's easy to get to. There's tons of, uh, restaurants and lodging surrounding that area shopping if that's what interests you there's even a kick-ass bike trail just kind of right across one of the big highways there in bussy woods so oh the bussy woods trail yeah uh there's no off-road but you know once we finish up i guess i'm talking to fatbike.com so yeah Yeah. Uh, (laughs) i was i was about to say it'd be kind of cold and snowy but you guys probably don't have a problem with that yeah we like that (laughs) Uh, then we, once we wrap up in Chicago, we head east uh, further still, and we do our New York show, uh, which is March 11th and 12th. And is that New York City? So we're technically northern New Jersey, uh-huh. but uh, you can see Manhattan from it. Cool. So um, it's in the metro area. Yeah. So we're about we're about ten minutes outside of uh, outside of Manhattan. Like the New York Giants, maybe where uh, Jimmy Hoffa is. Yeah, we're actually uh, we're in the Meadowlands complex. All right. Nice. Very cool. So, uh, three big shows, kind of making it uh, nationwide there, West, Central, and East. And uh, the the thing about that you sent us out uh, as media outlets that caught my attention was the new Cab to Top Shops Challenge. Why don't you mm-hmm. share with our listeners how they can help get great shops the recognition that they deserve? Um, so this is the first year we're doing it, and we looked at a lot of these um, best bike shops ranking lists, and a lot of them are either based on kind of arbitrary number data, mm-hmm. or they're based on secret shopper data. Oh. And I had had some problems with both of those, because I don't really care what one of your employees did in one interaction on one random day. And I also don't think that every shop should have the same numbers matrix. 
Um, you can still be an excellent shop even if you're not selling a thousand bicycles a year. Absolutely. Um, so we wanted something that was uh, a bit more. Yeah, we're gonna ask open-ended questions. Uh, we want to we want to see how you dealt with with problems. What are some of the decisions you made that paid off? What are the decisions you made that didn't pay off? Mm-hmm. So we can kind of use this to put together some um, panel discussions at our events that can help other shops not make the same mistakes. Uh, kind of create a conversation about uh, where do we go from here, from where our shop is? How do we elevate it? What are some of the things other shops have done? And there wasn't anything kind of like that um, in existence. So we started one. Cool. So how can how can our listeners help their shop out? Is there Tell a... them to sign up for the program and mm-hmm. fill it out. We try oh. to make it as easy as possible. Um, so the website will go live in about, I think, I think it told me two weeks. Um, but get them to sign up for it. Uh, the more information, the more shops we have kind of buying into it. And, you know, telling us some of their experiences. And, again, we don't, we don't really care about financial or, you know, private data or anything like that. It's, uh, it's more of a storytelling option. Mm, cool. Well, and we'll have a link in our uh, show notes when that becomes oh, public. And we'll encourage our, uh, our folks and our dealers to get in there and uh, tell their story. That sounds good. Anything else that, uh, that you want to share about CABDA this, uh, this coming year? Anything else exciting? You can invite us to do a podcast, maybe from the Chicago show. Oh, sure, right on. Um, we uh, we we talked about it before, creating an area for kind of podcasts, and I wasn't able to generate any interest in it. Yeah, uh, uh, you but, know, as a media guy that goes to bike shows, uh, I like it when there's a little media center that might have a quiet room or or an area for us to put down all of our junk and maybe. Uh, some Wi-Fi to get live updates to our to our readers, but you know I know how space like that is. At let's a talking, uh, let's keep talking about that because I I have no idea what you need, but okay. uh, if we can make it happen, we will. Cool. Well, right on. I appreciate you taking the time to share your uh, story, and uh, I will look forward to seeing you in Chicago. Good luck in San Diego and New York, and uh, well, thank you so much. wishing you a lot of success. All right, thanks a lot, man. All right, take care. Thanks. All right, bye. Well, that's our show this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Say hello to your bike for me. Get on there. Pedal that thing. They like it. You'll like it. We like it. Aloha, amigos.